In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Welcome to our second day on our mini parish mission. Today's talk will be uh, is entitled "Thy Will Be Done in Me." So yesterday in the talk on the mass, the priesthood, and you, I focused on the the reality of partly the vocation of a priest, namely the the reality of of my own priestly vocation is is to take to take you in your life to take you and your offerings and to bring them to the altar of God to be able to to bring you uh, individually and everyone entrusted to my care um, to bring you and to to present you to the Father in union with Christ Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit and so that's uh, a little bit of reflecting on what what my vocation is I was was mainly emphasizing the fact that that my vocation is there to to bring you to the Lord and and that you are indeed receiving the grace outpoured from the offerings at the altar each day and so today I wanted to to switch a little bit to um, to your vocation what is your vocation what does it mean to be uh, a person in the church and in the world. Um, this is assuming, of course, that you're not uh, an ordained minister, uh, that you're not a, a, a priest or a deacon, and if you are, fine and good. It still, it still very much partly applies. Um, but to look specifically at the vocation of the lay faithful, of the Joe and Jane Catholic, if you will, um, I want to start with a couple of thoughts um, from St. John Paul II, uh, he had a wonderful document called Christi Fidelis Laici, is the Latin title. Um, it's the, the Lay Members of Christ Faithful People. Uh, it's a document uh, that came out in the 80s uh, on the vocation and mission of the lay faithful in the church and in the world. Um, it's a little tough to chew on. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's not, a, uh, not an easy read, but it certainly is a very, very fruitful read. Um, so it's available, you know, free, free uh, for reading on the internet. Um, but it's a document in which he's responding to this question: is, uh, what is what is the role of the faithful in the life of the church and in the world? Basically, what do we do? You know, and so for for you who are the faithful, the, the baptized, uh, the baptized members of the body of Christ. Your job is ultimately to be the transforming power in the world, period. That, that you are called to be, in a particular way, the salt of the earth, the light of the world. And I think, I, I think this is the, probably maybe the best analogy, is you are the leaven of society. You are the stuff sprinkled in and kind of mixed in the midst of a community that raises it all up, that, that has the ability by the grace of Jesus Christ working in you and through you to raise up everything around you, to transform it and to make it holy. So this is your fundamental vocation, is that, that every single person um, 
who is a member of the body of Christ, who is a baptized believer in Jesus, has the call to transform the world around them. None of us is none of us is, is able to say that that my relationship with Jesus is all that matters. That it's just me kind of in my own little world. None of us is an island, as they say, uh, where we don't have to worry about other people. This is simply not the case. The, the reality is that Jesus, all throughout the all throughout the New Testament, all throughout the the, the Gospels, he's he's connecting this a reality that what we do for the least of, of of our brothers and sisters is what we do for him, and, and namely what we don't do, we don't do for him. And so there's this necessary connection that we have to people around us, also simply by member by being members of the body of Christ, that we're members of the body, and not, uh, you know, as St. Paul says, no member of the body can say, you know, the ear can't say to the eye, I don't need you, the foot can't say to the hand, I don't need you. Every one of us relies upon each other as members of the body of Christ, but also we are necessarily connected to the world around us and have an obligation to it. Now, St. John Paul II, he indicates that there are two fundamental temptations in this regard. The first temptation is to be so engaged in the faith and in the things of the church that one neglects one's mission in the world. This is the, you know, the, the recognition that he says that some people, and, and it seems as if it's a good thing, are so consumed with being present in the church and active in all the church's ministries and always at this, that, and the other thing. And, the, and certainly this is you know, it's not bad in itself. Um, when it's a negative thing is when we are so consumed with only the things inside the church that we neglect to be the body of Christ, that we, that we neglect to, to give the life-giving, life-changing love of Jesus Christ to the world around us in our work, in our school, in our time away doing whatever recreation we like to do, in, in all the normal stuff of daily life. If, in, in a sense, St. John Paul II is kind of saying that, that sometimes it's easy for us to be, to be all in on church things and to say, I've done my part and not feel like we have to also bring the gospel with us to the grocery store. So this is our first temptation, is sometimes we can be all in at church, but shrink back on our, on our, on our obligation, really, to spread the good news outside of that in the public realm. The second thing is this temptation of, of separating faith in itself and real life. There's a you know we we see this very often in, in politics people who who claim to, to to be Catholic and they say you know personally I'm Catholic but as a political leader I have to do X Y and Z um, you know and it's not just polit- political leaders that do this it's also many of us you know personally I'm against it but you know if my friend wanted to do such and such I can't be I can't be upset with them you know I, I'm gonna I gotta I gotta support them because they're my friend you know and I personally wouldn't do that and my faith says I wouldn't do that you know uh, and so there's this temptation a lot of times I say John Paul is second uh, second is saying to separate um, the faith the teachings of Jesus from our actual life that we can distance ourselves and not allow the teaching of Jesus, the words of Jesus, to actually be in our daily journey. Again, in both of these things, there's kind of a, a separation of the gospel from daily life. 
and this is the fundamental temptation, is it's easy for us to be Catholic sometimes. But when we face the real world, it can be difficult because the world doesn't always agree with the teachings of Jesus. The world doesn't always, uh, isn't always nice and peaceful whenever you make a stand for the, for the gospel of Christ. And so we acknowledge this temptation, that it is there. Um, and yet, we're called to resist that temptation and to allow the gospel of Jesus to be so thoroughly mixed in with our life that whether we're at church, whether we're in some ministry that we're taking part of, whether we're at the grocery store, whether we're at school, whether we're at home, whether we're on the highway, whether we're stuck in traffic on the bridge, whether we're sitting in our hunting stand or out farming in the field, no matter what it is that we're doing, our faith is working there. This is what we're called to do. This is the fundamental vocation of the lay faithful, is to be alive in the faith everywhere and at all times. That doesn't mean that you go around spouting off you know, religious things all the time. It's not, it's not to say you can only talk about the gospel or you can only say religious quotes or any of these kinds of things. Certainly not. Uh, I mean, we have to be sensible about this. But there is a sense in which we ought at every moment of the day be willing to live our faith, be willing and able to put our faith into action for ourselves and for the good of others. St. John Paul II doesn't really mince words in this. You know, sometimes we can think that, that you, know, the, the, you know, teaching the faith, engaging people in the faith, trying to lead people in the faith, you know, trying, you know, that, that, that's not, you know, the, I've heard this from, from, from some folks, that, that that's not really my job. That's someone else, that's the catechist job. That's the folks who are in charge of RCIA. You know, that's the, the people who do the, the Bible studies thing. You know, maybe Father, and I've heard this also, Father, that's your job. You know, I, I don't have, you know, I didn't go study church stuff. You did. So it's your job to be able to, uh, to do this stuff. You know, and a lot of times people look um, to the priest to be able to fix all the, the things that are happening um, in the midst of a community, and you know, hoping that, and I wish I did, have some kind of secret formula where I can bring their children back to the church, or I can bring their spouse back to the church, or I can, or I can help them who may be struggling with some particular aspect, some you know, maybe sin in their life, or, or some you know, some some unforgiveness that's taking place that's there, you know, that that I can I can I can do something special for them um, to be brought back in the in the grace of Jesus, the peace of Jesus. Right, you know, and, and so a lot of times when we think about bringing the gospel out, a lot of people haven't received the word yet. Catholics haven't received the word yet that that's not only the job of the priest. It's the job of every person who is baptized. It's the job of every single Catholic to know the faith, to live the faith, and to share the faith. To know it, to live it, and to share it. St. John Paul II, speaking of this reality, um, in the document that he, was, the, that he wrote, um, he spoke about the, the beautiful imagery that our Lord uses of the vineyard. You know, that the Lord sends out laborers into the vineyard to be able to go reap the fruits. And the fruits are, you know, for us in, in that analogy, the fruits are people being brought into the body of Christ, the church, being brought into heaven ultimately. 
And who is the laborers? Us, the members of the flock who have received the good news and know what it is to be heirs of heaven, know what it is to know the joy of knowing Jesus Christ. So we are the ones who are called to be the laborers, and, and you, especially the lay faithful, have a part in this. Again, it's not just the priests, it's not just the deacons or the bishop or the pope, the others you think. It's, it's you, the lay faithful, who are fundamentally the, 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 the basic foundational element of that outreach. St. John Paul II says, It is not permissible for anyone to remain idle. It is not permissible for anyone to remain idle. Every single one of us, he is saying, is called to labor in the world and in the church for the good of others. To be able to seek to make what is around us, starting within us, better. And not just better in kind of a a nice humanistic sense. Better because it's filled with the life of Christ. That because of our presence... Because God entrusted us with a particular mission to to be present in this individual concrete situation, something is changed. We may not always know it, may not be able to see it, may be able to, can't always put our finger on it. But if we trust and if we are people of prayer, the Lord will use us, oftentimes unknowingly, to be able to bring about his will. And so this is our invitation not to remain idle. So this is my call as a priest to you, the lay faithful who are listening, not to remain idle. St. John Paul II says, he goes on continuing, and he says that the lay faithful have an essential and irreplaceable role in this ministry of evangelization. Essential and irreplaceable. We're hearing that word essential a lot of times these days. Essential workers, right? Well, every single one of you in the ways of spreading the good news of the gospel of Christ is an essential worker. You don't get to stay home. You don't get to stay on your little prayer island and stay cooped up to yourself. You got a job. You've got good news to share. And you're called to go out because the world needs that good news. You are essential and irreplaceable. One time I was a, a... as part of our seminary training, uh, part of the part of the preparation was to be a hospital chaplain for a time. So I went to a, a particular hospital, and I was serving there as a chaplain. And that hospital had formed a um, a relationship of collaboration with a, a pretty well known entertainment industry, uh, entertainment um, corporation. I guess I don't want to say the name for fear that the Lord. Uh, the, or that company or corporation might uh, might send people after me, uh, as if that's going to happen, um, you know. But I, I don't want to I don't want to defame anybody. But basically, the, this this well known well known entertainment corporation um, came and sat down with all the members of the staff at this hospital. And I mean, I wasn't technically I wasn't being paid, but I was part of the I was part of the the working community. And they had somebody come in and, and they looked at every single one of us and said, you know, we, we take this very seriously. We're not entering into this agreement lightly. This is something unique for us. And we're, we're kind of sticking our neck out a little bit here. So remember, if you don't play ball, you are replaceable. And you could hear, you could feel the, 
the shock in many people's hearts, from from the the, the head doctors to the to the nurses to the people who are taking care of the like the, the, the janitorial staff, the chaplain staff, uh, then the the people in, in charge of banking and and all the details. Every single person they looked at every single one of us and said, "You are replaceable." And I've always remembered that, and how unpleasant that felt. I mean, I, I was only there for. For a short ten weeks, I knew I was replaceable. But I was imagining people who had who had been there for 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 years, maybe for decades, hearing "You are replaceable." Well, dear brothers and sisters, in the ways of the gospel, you are irreplaceable. The Lord has entrusted you with a particular task, you and you alone. There's a wonderful quote from now. St. John Henry Newman. It's a quote that I actually have taped taped to my desk um, to remind me of this reality that I have a mission and, and for you to know the same, that you have a mission entrusted to you. St. John Henry says, God has created me to do him some definite service. He has committed some work to me which he has not committed to another. I have my mission. I may never know it in this life, but I shall be told it in the next. I am a link in a chain, a bond of connection between persons. He has not created me for naught. I shall do good. I shall do his work. I shall be an angel of peace, a preacher of truth in my own place, while not intending it, if I but do keep his commands." Therefore, I will trust him. Whatever I am, I can never be thrown away. I am, if I am in sickness, my sickness may serve him. In perplexity, my perplexity may serve him. If I am in sorrow, my sorrow may serve him. He does nothing in vain. He knows what he is about. He may take away my friends. He may throw me among strangers. He may make me feel desolate, make my spirit sink, hide my future from me. Still, he knows what he is about. And I love that quote because it's, it's a reminder to us that, that God has made us part of his plan. And specifically for you, whoever, whoever you are, enter your name here. You have been entrusted with a portion of the mission of God. And you are irreplaceable. Yesterday in the talk, I spoke of and, and you know reflected on the reality that that every pastor who is in charge of a parish is is by law required to offer a mass pro populo for the people. As I was talking about that, I mentioned the fact that 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 I, as a pastor, and every pastor is the, is the same. I, as a pastor, have in some way spiritual care for every single person who lies and lives within our parish boundaries. Whether they're Catholic or not, whether they're Christian, whether they're atheist, whether they're Buddhist, whether they're Muslim, whether they're Jewish, whether they're anything else under the sun, I, in some way, am entrusted to take care of them, spiritually speaking. And that... 
initially can kind of seem like an overwhelming thing, but you know how it is that I am entrusted and I seek to carry out that mission of serving every single person within our community, of, of trying to take care of every single person within our community, the way I do that is through you. Because you are essential and irreplaceable in spreading the good news of the gospel. I don't live next to your neighbors, but you do. I don't live in the same house as, as the rest of your family, but you do. Unless you work in my church office here. <laughs> I don't work in the church office. I don't work in the office where you work. But you do. I'm not always at the same spot where you are when the Lord sends a person by. But you are. I don't happen to know every single person. I don't have a, a, you know, a, long, a long history of, of relationship with other people necessarily in our community. But many of you do. And this is your place. The, the, the job of the priest is effectively to be able to do as best as he can to, to care for the community who is directly close to him. The people who regularly come at Sunday Mass, people who are involved in ministries and this kind of stuff. To care for them so that they might be able to do their greater work. And you know where we see them? <laughs> there's, a, uh, uh, there's another fellow in the world, uh, in the history of, of the world, who did a similar thing. His name was Jesus. And he didn't, he, you know, he didn't, he wasn't able to get to everybody. But he had 12 guys around him and another 70 who were kind of around them and a handful of others who were connected in various other ways. So he had this group of people that, that he was around, the ones who were closest to him all the time, and then a whole variety of other people and kind of in different, different levels of connection to him. And then he taught them, and then they went out to teach others. And that's the, that's the model that we continue to use. The Pope does that. You know, the Pope is the Pope, you know, and he's got the bishops who are like his disciples, and they filter it down to be able to, to try to minister in a particular place. The bishop has priests, and we try to minister to our flock in a particular place. The pastor has his community, and, they, and oftentimes a core group around him, whether you know, pastoral council or finance council or office staff, you know, some of the ministry heads of the different things that take place in the parish, and they're kind of gathered around, and, and you know, the pastor is able to, to minister to them first and foremost, and then, and then they go out and minister to others. And every single one of you are part of this. Again, no one is permitted to stand idle. You are essential and irreplaceable in spreading the good news of the gospel in the life of the church. Because the simple fact is, you know, we, you know, oftentimes we, we register at a church. You know, we've got a registered parishioners list. We know how many parishioners are on the books at any given moment. But the simple fact is that you don't just belong to the church. You are the church. You are the body of Christ. All of us members. So you are a member of the body of Christ. You are, you are the church. You are Christ to others. In your baptism, 
you're brought into that reality. You are made a member of the body of Christ. You are made part of, um, of his church, an integral part of his church. If there's ever a missing, if there's ever somebody missing at church, the whole church isn't there. You know, most of the church can be there, but the church is, is the body of the faithful. And in your baptism, you were anointed with the holy chrism, the sacred chrism. And there was the, the prayer that was used is, is that a, a person receiving confirmation or receiving baptism, rather, I'm sorry. Um, person receiving baptism is anointed priest, prophet, and king to participate in the priest uh, priesthood, um, the prophethood, and, and the kingship of Jesus. So we're conformed to Christ. We're made like Christ. We're anointed to be members of the body of Christ. And as members of his body, we also take part in his mission, spreading the gospel, right? And so every single one of you has a role to be priest, prophet, and king in some particular way. Now, to be a priest, the first function, the, the, the primary function of a priest, the thing that makes a priest a priest is a priest offers sacrifice, always and everywhere. You, you can look at any culture, you can look at, at the Jewish faith, you can look at the Catholic faith, you can look at it at, at various other non-Christian faiths, faiths throughout history that offered all kinds of various sacrifices. And in, in, in every faith, if there's a priesthood, there's a sacrifice that's being offered. There's something being offered. And so you also are members of the body of Christ. You participate in the priesthood of Jesus Christ. And the thing that you offer is yourself and your life, and the circumstances of your life. This is, this is how you exercise your priesthood. The, the priesthood of the baptized, the priesthood of the faithful, is to offer yourself, to offer your life in union with Jesus. All right. That's why every Mass, the priest turning to the people says, Pray, brethren, that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to God, the Almighty Father. Right. That you have a sacrifice to offer, a sacrifice of your life, the sacrifice of, of, of all the details. So how to live out your priesthood? How do you, as a, as a member of the lay faithful, live out your call to be a, a, a participating in the priesthood of Jesus? Well, first and foremost, pray. That seems to go without saying, but for the sake of making sure it's said, pray. That you must be people of prayer. That this is the first reality, is the offering of self is an, is an offering to God. It is a prayer. It is a, it is a lifting up of oneself and one's heart to the Lord. So to Pray. Other things that you can do to be able to, to in a sense, exercise this, the, the baptized, uh, the priest of the baptized, the priest of the faithful that is, that is within your soul, lift up songs of praise. Sing. Sing a joyful noise to the Lord, right? You know, to be able to lift up your heart in religious, in religious song is to be able to lift up yourself, lift up your priestly offering to the Lord, I think it was St. Augustine who said, uh, you know, he who sings, sings well prays twice, um, you know. So singing is a beautiful offering of, of prayer. Um, a concrete way of praying is whatever you have to do that day, pray for God's help with it. 
you know, whether that's making a morning offering and, and offering your entire day to the Lord, or if it's stopping before each individual activity and saying, Lord, I need your help with whatever it is you're about to do. Help me to do it with love, right? To be able to do it as you would desire of me. Small prayer. It doesn't have to be a long thing. It can also just be one of those simple looks to the sky, you know, to just say, Jesus, help. Those are powerful prayers. To pray for others, whether whether there are people who are uh, that you're just kind of mindful of, you know, you know, praying for doctors and nurses and all those who are in the medical the medical field who are taking care of so many people who are sick right now who themselves are are taxed uh, in a lot of ways physically, emotionally, spiritually, um, who oftentimes are separated from their families because of of risk of of spread and these kinds of things, you know, the to to pray, you know, oftentimes we pray for for those for those people kind of in a blanket way. Um, and this is good and holy, um, but also maybe to pray for the individuals who happen to be around you too, um, whether that's your kids, whether that's your spouse, whether it's, you know, siblings or, or, or your parents, or if you're out, you know, around town, if you're going out for some of those essential, you know, essential things that you need, you got to get your eggs, your toilet paper, your milk, and your, you know, whatever else, um, you know, to, to pick up those those essential items as we're traveling around town to do some of that essential work that we have to do, or maybe before one of those, you know, work-wise essential people, you know, going off to work, working on our workplace for that particular day, to be able to pray for the people that are around us, you know, to pray for to pray for peace, to ask God's blessing, Lord, everything that I want that's good for me, I want for them, you know. Are you you know something? Obviously, we you know have a lot of people who are. Who are suffering who are scared who are you know upset who are angry who are all kinds of things um and everything but peaceful it seems a lot of times um, and it can be an opportunity where you know lord make me a channel of your peace um you know to to be able to in those moments say you know if you know their name cool pray for them by name if you don't lord you know this you know their name you know you know what's going on you know in in the quiet of their heart grant them peace to, to be able to, to to offer these things is to is to offer a pleasing sacrifice to the Lord to continue to lift up people just as just as I'm by my vocation called to to take all of your offerings and the, and the offer them in the sacramental offering of the Holy Mass so also you can exercise that same um, sort of analogous priesthood of gathering gathering the people you know that you encounter through the day and to present them to the Lord to ask ask the Lord to bless them in the you know, those are the things that I'm gathering, you know. So um, to be able to pray for those around you and really simply to ask the Lord to guide you through the day, you know, you know to, to teach me, Lord, what is your will? Help me to do your will, right? So we love the Our Father, the wonderful prayer. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. And I think there's a, a wonderful opportunity for us in, in seeking to do that. And like I said, I mentioned the, the title of the talk is Thy Will Be Done in Me. And, and I, haven't really, I haven't connected that dot, I guess. But the simple reality is that, is that the, will of, the will of the Lord is not, you know, as, as Father, uh, Father Sischek, you know wrote in his, in his book yesterday that I was mentioning, He Leadeth Me, that the will of God is not somewhere out there. The will of God is, is here in the situation where I find myself in these concrete details. So thy will be done. What does that mean? Wherever I am right now, do it. You know, 
respond in the way that Christ would desire of us. You know, what would Jesus do, right? To live that in a very, in a very clear way in this particular situation, how can I respond? What, what, what do I, you know, in, in, in an attitude of prayer, what's the best way for me to respond? And so this is thy will be done in me, you know, seeking to carry out at each moment the will of the Lord. So those are ways that, 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 that the priesthood in which you participate in Jesus Christ can be carried out. So how is it that you can be a prophet as well? You know, when, uh, you know, when we say prophet, you know, the image may come to your mind of the Old Testament prophets, who a lot of times were kind of uh, odd birds. Uh, you know, some of the prophets, they, you know, they, were, they were convicted by the Lord to do, you know, kind of these weird symbolic acts. So they would take sticks together and tie them together, and that was some kind of sign. Or they would dig a hole in the wall and pack all their bags and leave town. And you're like, what is this? Um, you know, and sometimes the prophets came with very, very un, unpleasant news, calling the people back to holiness, that bad things are going to happen if, 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 if there's not conversion of hearts. Things are not well, you know, and so oftentimes the prophets were not greeted with, with, warm, with warm hearts uh, and, and, and open arms because they came usually bearing a, a difficult message. And sometimes we can think that and be like, what? I don't really want to be a prophet. They're kind of kind of quirky, like weird things happen to them. And, you know, Jesus, all the analogies are, you know, you stone the prophets that we sent before, you know, so the prophets don't 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 wind up in a good spot. So how is it that we live being a prophet in the line of Jesus Christ? Let's say first and foremost, to be ordered. Um, And by that, I mean, simply allowing uh, allowing your life to have some structure. Um, you know, so often we, we can allow, um, allow our, own, our own fleshly desires to kind of carry us through the day. I don't feel like praying right now. I'll pray later. I, I feel like eating right now. I just ate, I just ate half an hour ago, but I want, I want some more now. You know, I, I, you know, I know I should exercise, but I don't really want to. I don't want to do this. I want to do that. Da, 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 da. And we can, be, we can be compelled by, by our own um, by our own feelings, our own sentiments, and, and our own, you know, you know, kind of um, fleshly desires that ultimately a lot, of, a lot of times desires for comfort. But one of the best ways that we can do um, this to be prophets is is to live in an ordered way, you know, because the the reality of of being a prophet is to proclaim the gospel. Period, you know, to to proclaim this is the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord desires. And what better way for us than to actually just live that in our life, to live our life in, in an ordered way, in a, in a structured way. Um, it doesn't mean that we have to plan out every single moment of the day, but it does mean that we should probably make some time to go, okay, this is, this is my prayer time, and hell or high water, we're taking it, and we're going we're gonna to enter into this prayer, and, and, and we're setting it aside. This is the Lord's time, period. Or we're gonna sit, you know, gonna say, okay, we're gonna exercise, and you know, not to not to sit around and wait till I feel like exercising because I don't know about y'all. Maybe y'all have it better than me. I don't typically feel like exercising a lot of times, because um, it takes effort, um, and it can be a little uncomfortable and painful, but mainly because I don't exercise, um, you know. And, and to be able to, to to have our life in an ordered manner is one of the is one of the best ways that we can proclaim the gospel 
is because we're allowing God, who is ordered, to inform our life in such a way that we're coming in regular contact with him. We're allowing discipline um, to happen within our life. We're building up virtue, right? So virtue is one of the, is one of the other ways that we can work on this. Is It's often a helpful thing for us um, to be able to exercise virtue particularly with others, because what's, what's one of the best ways that people um, are able to experience the gospel is they experience it through other people. We see this over and over and over and again. All throughout the scriptures, people encounter Jesus, and then they go tell other people about that encounter with Jesus, and then they come to meet Jesus. People see something in that individual. Countless stories of, of Mother Teresa who you know, would simply love people, that she would, she would pour charity out upon them in great abundance. And many, many people were converted to the faith, not because they read the catechism, not because they, you know, they, they read the gospel, not because they heard the gospel proclaimed in a really great sermon, but they, they, they heard the gospel, they read the gospel, they understood the teaching of who Jesus is through the love that Mother Teresa would show. And we can do the same. Maybe not as well as Mother Teresa. But we can seek to do the same. To live virtuously. To be able to be charitable. To be patient. To be generous. To be temperate. To be gentle. And a whole host of other things. Our days are, 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 are full of opportunities. And it's not that you have to do all these things. You know, if, you want to, if, if, if you're there where you can do all these things well, God be praised. But it may just be that you wake up today and, and you, know, you, you wake up and you go, yesterday, uh, you know, maybe, you're doing, maybe tonight you'll be doing an examination of conscience, hopefully. Huh? You kind of look back over the day and go, okay, how did I do today, Lord? I was really, really impatient today. I really struggle with patience. I was I was kind of snappy and I was I was quick and I was short, you know, short in response and da, 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 you know. And then we can we can recognize some impatience happening within the heart and go, okay, Lord, tomorrow I'm going to work on patience. And maybe maybe if you want to have a specific prayer, or if you want to kind of take a little daily check, you know, every every now and then, kind of step back and think, you know, how, how am I doing in patience? Has there been any moments where I was impatient? You know, or when when we recognize that that impatience is arising in the heart, to kind of stop and to step back, you know, mentally, um, and to ask the Lord's help, right? You know, so so it can be an opportunity for us you know, each day to be able to say, okay, I'm I'm going to work on this on this particular on this particular virtue. I'm going to work to to do this good thing today, and that can be a way of living out the uh, the, the the prophethood, if you will. Um, of Jesus, of of living out the gospel in your own life, of letting the gospel shine in its goodness, in its purity, in its attractiveness, so that other people see it, not for the fact of other people seeing it, but when they see it, they're drawn to it. And this is the, I mean, and we see this all over the internet, you know, rather frequently when it's not crazy cat videos or you know, whatever other thing you that you that you see online, uh, a lot of TikTok videos of of, of folks dancing these days, um, but occasionally you'll you'll still see those videos of of someone doing something an act of charity, uh, or you'll read these stories of of something that somebody did for another person, 
and they get lots of shares. They get lots of you know, lots of people liking it, lots of people sharing it, lots of you know uh, you know warm heart heart emojis and all this kind of thing um, that are present there because. Seeing virtue happen, seeing goodness, seeing Christ-like action take place warms the heart. It makes us want to do something like it. It makes us want to, to be in proximity to that individual who did it. Um, and this is what Christ desires for you. To, to, to be able to proclaim the gospel with your life is to live life in an ordered way, in a virtuous way, in a holy way, and to share that goodness with others. To share the good news, you know, that doesn't mean that we have to that we have to set up a a pulpit or a, a stump out in a parking lot somewhere and start shouting out the gospel. But it's simply sometimes to say, let me, you know, in, in the midst of a conversation that can be really normal, to just say, you know, I, this really amazing thing happened to me, and to share some some aspect of your faith. Or, or I read this really encouraging word today. You know, I was you know, and, uh, I saw a great quote. You know, or. Or I was thinking about this, you know, and to be able to, to, to kind of throw these things out there so that other people might be able to be nourished by some goodness that we ourselves have experienced, that we ourselves have been nourished by in some way, and to allow others to experience that same goodness. So these are ways that we can, that we can be prophets, that, that you can be a prophet um, to the people around you. And lastly is to be king, you know. We get to be kings and queens, y'all. How is it that we get to live the kingship of Jesus? Well, to be king is to have authority. And the first place where one ought to have, have authority and supremacy is in one's own heart. Namely, to be free. To be free to choose, to free to decide. And the reality is that sin binds us. So the first way that we that we live the kingship of Jesus is that we allow ourselves that, that we become king of our own lives, king of our own hearts in the manner of conquering sin. So in a similar way, kind of lean also in the prophet the prophet it emphasizes the, the doing of good, the, of the virtue. The kingship emphasizes you know complete quenching of sin. And it's not that we do it perfectly. But all of us can recognize things within our heart that need to change, actions that we know are not godly, that we know are not leading us and leading others closer to Jesus, and to seek to change him, to change those things within our heart by the grace of God. You know, ultimately it's the Lord who does it, but it's we who are willing to, to put forth the labor to strive to be better, right? to strive to be holy, to be saints. And so first, it's to be able to, uh, to seek to root out sin, to get rid of the sin that's in our lives. Secondly, to, to be king in the manner of Jesus. Um, Jesus tells his disciples, if you, if, if you want to be the greatest among all of you, be the servant of all. So to be a king in imitation of Jesus is to be a servant, because as Jesus himself the Son of God, who lowers himself to wash the feet of his disciples at the Last Supper. To be a king is to be a person of service. So, opportunities to serve. 
And we can, of course, serve in church ministries. We can church and serve in, in various you know, uh, capacities around town. We can serve on, on a board for this or a committee for that. Or we can um, all these things. And these are, these are wonderful ways that we, can, that we can allow our faith to be part of that society that we're seeking to change. So it's good to be on these things. It's good to, to take part in leadership that allows service to take place in a larger scale in the community. But even if you're, if you're not in that place, every single one of us can put ourselves at the service of others and to call somebody, to send somebody a text, to, ch- to check on them, see how they're doing. You need anything. You know. said in, in many places, any places these days, um, peace is, is, is very much missing in many hearts. And so to be that instrument of peace, you know, to be able to reach out and to, and to serve someone with an act of kindness, uh, a word of encouragement, a smile, right? All these things that, that seem very simple and very normal and very human, and they are. And that's the wonderful thing is that, is that Jesus takes all the stuff that we experience in our normal life and he allows it to be filled with his grace. I mean, he, he takes water and he allows it to wash away sin. He takes olive oil and he allows it to anoint people who are sick and raise them up. He takes the hands of a priest, which are just normal hands like anybody else's hands. He puts, you know, he anoints him with, with holy oil and, and offers a blessing upon him. And, and hands are able to, to bless other people, to bless other things. That the Lord uses physical things to be able to give his grace to the world. That's why we have rosaries. That's why we have stained glass and statues and, and images in our home and crucifixes and, cruci- and crosses that we wear and holy medals and 10,000 other things that we love to have as Catholics is because God is incredibly incarnational. That he uses the things of physical nature to bring about spiritual change. And so... A small act of kindness might be a flood of grace poured upon a soul. A smile on our face might be the touch of Christ, might be the, the, the shining of the love of Jesus to another heart. It might be the thing that changes or, or allows them to experience love in one moment, to allow them to experience peace, to experience mercy, to experience goodness, to experience generosity, to experience patience, and to, uh, and to be attracted by that, drawn by that. So these are ways that, that you can live out the kingship um, by virtue of your baptism. And so, uh, again, as a priest, I'm relying upon you to bring the good news of the gospel that you have received and that I try to continue to give to you and nourish to you and increase within you and encourage you. And I rely on, on you to be able to share this good news with people all around you, with each person you meet through the day. Sometimes in large ways, sometimes in small ways, sometimes we mean it, sometimes we don't even know we're doing it, but we're sharing the gospel. I rely upon you because as St. John Paul II, you are essential and irreplaceable in the spreading of the good news of the gospel of Jesus you have a role you have a place you have an invitation to enter in to this great saving work to work with Jesus in the vineyard to bring many souls to come to know his goodness 
like I pray you yourself know his goodness. I want to close with um, with the serenity prayer. It's a prayer that I pray often. I have a I've got a little plaque of it um, that I found a while back, and it's a wonderful prayer um, to live in the present moment. Again, thy will, be, thy will be done in me, here and now, not somewhere else, not up there, not a month from now, not so you know three weeks in the past, not in that other person that I kind of want to be there. You know, thy will be done in me, and to recognize that sometimes. It's not super smooth and not super clean. It's not the way we desire it. It's not a way we understand it. But it's to trust in the Lord that if we are people of faith, if we try to live our faith each day, the Lord will lead us and he will guide us and ultimately grant us the gift of his peace. And so I invite you to pray with me the serenity prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change courage to change the things I can, and wisdom to know the difference, living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardships as the pathway to peace, taking, as Jesus did, the sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that he will make all things right if I surrender to his will, that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with him forever in the next. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. And may Almighty God bless you, the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.